What is up, everyone? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I am Charlie Shrem, your host, and you're listening to another epic episode of Untold Stories, where twice a week, we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders, Bitcoin OGs, filmmakers, politicians, brilliant people, those who have turned trauma into success, those who have turned their creativity. I was actually thinking about this in the bathroom today. I was like, you know, all the kids who are successful today, I follow a lot of my friends from high school and stuff. It's all yeah. like the stupid, fat and ugly kids, myself included, who have become <laughs> successful. So congratulations to all of us, all of you. And, uh, and it's really cool too, because I've been starting to get into filmmaking recently and my listeners know. And what's really cool is that through my filmmaking world is how I met you guys. So it all brings it back. These worlds are kind of merging it all together. Um, yeah. I want to give a little bit of background. So first of all, Lex and Arel, thank you guys for coming on the show. Did I pronounce your name the right way? Errol. Yeah. Errol. Yeah. Errol, thank you so it's much. It's like Daryl without a D. Thanks for coming on Untold Stories today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, really it's our excited. pleasure, brother. Errol, you are a film entrepreneur and video producer. You've been doing uh, uh, film and, and marketing and um, with your brother, Lex we have on the show today uh you guys have been running three division which is a as a like a next level studio for doing visual interactive content you guys have invented this super cool metaverse platform called passage and then not only with that but you took what you built and you launched strange clan which i was spending a lot of time on this morning and this is what's really cool is that unfortunately a lot of people that i'm doing research for the show that i want to come on that I want to, a lot of people are just talking about doing things. People are talking about the future. This is what we're talking about doing. This is what we want to build, you know, et cetera, et cetera. When, when we got in touch to our mutual friend, Ron Newcomb, what really excited me is you guys are like doing it. You're not just talking about something. And then at the same time, you've built an engine that without any having to download any browser extensions, any downloadable anything, you allow people in browser to build on and have access to this like crazy 3D world of, audio that comes up behind you and presentations and video chat, top quality graphics, a truly immersive experience, 360 degree video, like uh, no learning curve. So anyone can use it. And then you built strange clan on top of that. So kind of like, shit, where do we start? There's, there's crypto, there's the 3d world, there's the metaverse world. There's, there's the beauty of Bitcoin. Like where do, where do you guys want to start? Just tell us a little mm. bit of background. Yeah, background let's, let's dive in. So, so I'm going to kick it over to Lex real quick. Uh, so we met through, so, so um, uh, Charlie, you and I connected through Ron, uh, who is back in the day, I was a filmmaker. Um, and a lot of what me and Lex, you know, had really enjoyed doing was uh, writing and creating. Um, so, you know, uh, coming up through the ranks of, you know, being freelancers for a long time, uh, picking up clients, you know, we talked back and forth about things that we were trying to accomplish. Um, and um, eventually, um, Lex started to get more and more into kind of the um, 3D uh, development side of things. So both between doing like 3D design, and then also uh, doing, uh, starting to do some development for clients. So I'm going to kick it back over to Lex and say, you know, hey, this is, this, the, the, he, he's got kind of like the, the first like part to the story. Yeah. So it, it kind of started with three division, which I started in like uh, 2017. So like five years ago now. And um, before that, I just gotten fired from my graphic design job and like went home, like cried to my wife and was like, I failed, you know, it was terrible. I wasn't working hard enough because I, I didn't he cry like to it. me too. He yeah, to me I did. Too. Sounds like it was, it was traumatic. A, lot of, a lot of crying going on. Um, <laughs> and it was difficult because like, I now had this freedom, right? And I'd done freelance stuff before, but but it was good, right? So faced a bunch of challenges through that phase, developing kind of like, you know, what was my own um, uh, creative offering going to be? How I was going to take these tools? And I was just getting into 3D. I'd been doing 3D for really only a few months. Um, but I, I felt like that was what was going to distinguish the type of work that we were doing. So, you know, by the grace of God, you know, over the next year or so, we developed a really unique uh, set of, of skills in doing 3D animation and all throughout this process. I mean, me and Errol have been collaborating for a long time. Um, and basically he was the one that I came to and I was like, I don't know where to get another client, right? Like we're broke. Like, what do I do now? How do I problem solve this? And like, we'd kick around ideas and Errol has always been like, 
Hey, he, he's had a lot of the, like, uh, the way we would describe it is that, um, uh, I, I have, uh, style and Errol has, uh, strength like that, like, um, basically I'm the, like, uh, uh, the salesman, the, the, like, there's a lot of like the pretty face that I put forward and Errol's always been the example and just like getting, you know, down to the, to the, the grind and like pushing forward. Right. And so he always helped me to kind of get through roadblocks. Uh, we come up with creative, creative solutions and stuff like that together. And so that was kind of like our, our collaborative process over the years. Um, but basically a, a big shift in what we we're doing came when we started applying 3D to doing, um, we got some really interesting contracts um, with some uh, people who are designing events, like real world events. And this was for like big brands like Warner Brothers, Capitol Records. Um, we worked with like Red Bull, Dallas Cowboys, uh, Disney, Marvel. And um, what we were doing was the virtual component of the real world event, right? We would help visualize the event. We'd help plan the event. We would help- like Pokemon um, we'd like, Go, AR style? Kind so, of, yeah. We do 3D renders and we, we did actually do say, some work with uh, yeah. Niantic. Oh, yeah, that's so developed cool. Pokemon Go, yeah. yeah. But so like fundamentally it was like the 3D renders for the guys who are going to go create the physical version of it. Um, right. and, and so they could all visualize it and see the, the pieces of it. Um, but then this exact same client, you know, let's flash forward to uh, 2020 pandemic hits, you know, these events that were happening that all these pieces got created for, um, they were no longer happening anymore. And the main company that was basically thriving off of these event off of these events came to Lex and was like, Hey, you know, how do we problem solve around this? And then Lex pretty much pitched like, well, why don't you do virtual events? And I don't know how much you, you had already thought through this. Cause I remember you and I talked about it. So I don't remember when you had that conversation with Jason actually. Yeah. So it was interesting because, you know, uh, we'd been doing the virtual component of physical events for so long. And these were events that got executed in Hollywood on Hollywood and Vine Street. Generally, there's a big lot there where they'd like build these multi-million dollar activations for Warner Brothers for like we did stuff for it, too, for the Lego movie. Um, and, you know, basically it was so wrapped up in the physical that when, you know, the, the, the worldwide chaotic event happened, um, basically they were like, what do we do? Right. And, and things started to dwindle in terms of like work that was available. And so I put together like a whole pitch where I was like, this is what it should look like. Right. Because I could see the way that people were doing virtual at the time, because everyone was like trying to do virtual, but it was like zoom calls. It was like zoom calls with like, yeah. it's like we're back in the nineties, right. With like a dialogue chat, whatever. And it's like, this isn't, this isn't an event, right. This is just, you know, talking to your grandma on the phone equivalent of, you know, today's standard. And it, it was not organic right? It was very arbitrary, right? You're going to have a set number of people who can be heard by other people. And so it's like being able to listen in on somebody else's conversation, kind of, right? But there's very little interaction. There's no sense of space. And that was what we wanted to change. And so, you know, very early on, we were pitching this concept and our first big event was with Amazon. And the idea was you need to be able to look around, right? And this was something that blew people's minds when they first hopped in. For one, nobody is expecting to click on a link and suddenly be in a 3D world, Right. And so that blew people because they're expecting you got to download stuff. You got to like, there's got to be an app. You got to have like a yeah. computer that's all glowy and whatnot. And um, so there are huge limitations to having something that looked good. It was realistic. And then they'd get in and be like, oh, cool. Like this looks really nice. And you, you tell them like, okay, click and drag to look around. Like this, this, this is a space. Oh, oh, this is like 3D. Like I can actually look around the space. And then they would turn and you would be our first space that we designed was like a, a, a theater it was like a back cave style theater yep. that we were pitching to Warner brothers. And, um, you turn around and be like, Oh, you're behind me. Right. Like you're right there. And that was, that was this realization that people would have, um, like, Oh, and, and that sense of space was what people were noticing. I think the concept of space in an online environment is still a, very difficult for people to understand. And I think that, that, you know, maybe it's that our, our brain capacity doesn't have, the ability to do it yet, but the, the ready player one style metaverse. I mean, we saw that in second life in mice in the nineties, like yeah, you said, that's right, not right. what the metaverse is, is, or is going to be or web three. So a lot of those like, Oh, we're going to be in these worlds and, and, and here or just ignore it. No, there's going to be a relationship and it's going to be like complementary. And it seems like that's kind of, the path that you guys are the passage that you guys are going down. 
Seems well, like what was really yeah. interesting was we were facing two dyma- dynamics. You would have people who were trying to take the VR approach where it's like, oh, total immersion. We're trying to create this, you know, whatever. And, and unfortunately, even in that scenario, you took a lot of like the human element out of it because people would be um, looking at an avatar, right? In, in VR, you're not looking at somebody's face. You're looking at an avatar. So you lost some, you know, personal element there. But then on the other side of things, and the problem with VR was that people trying to do that didn't factor in that most people can't hop into a VR experience because like 1% of people have a VR headset, right? So huge limitations. It's not accessible. Um, and then on the other side of things, you had people who were just doing the Zoom call, right? And so it's yeah. like glorified video chat is your, your event, right? And so it was finding that um, this accessible space, right? You can get in with just a link, right? That also gave people that immersion and that personality, which was our 3D video chat where you could look around and see somebody next to you and you, somebody could see you looking around like this idea that like right now, if I were to be like, Oh, Errol is right there. And I were to point in the video mm-hmm. call, it's not, I mean, for somebody watching, maybe the video feeds are rearranged. Right. Or, or maybe like, you know what I mean? Like there's a bunch of factors where that's not going to be the experience for everybody in the room. Right. You don't yeah. know if somebody's seeing you on top or whatever. There's no real conception of where people are or even who's talking to some extent because we're all the exact same video size, you know, whatever. There's no organic experience to it. And so we wanted to make something where I could turn, point to somebody and everyone can see that I'm looking at them or I'm looking at you. Like, yeah. And there's this actual sense of space because you're, you're actually 3d avatars. And when I say avatar, it's, it's a, it's a avatar with a video feed on it. Right. So, so you feel like when you turn to look at somebody, you're actually face to face. And when they turn to look at somebody else, you know, they're not looking at you anymore. So you can kind of like relax, like you can pick your nose, like, you know, you're not being stared at because you're not the speaker right now. You know, like there's a sense of attention. This creates the next level, you know, when it comes to, to socioeconomics and doing a business deal with someone, sometimes like if I'm having a conversation with you and I pick my nose, that could break the deal. Or if we're all pointing at someone, (laughs) we're talking about the next, really these worlds that incorporate social dynamics and and, and incorporate uh, Aral and like, what's, what was missing with technology beforehand that we couldn't do this up until now? And then like, how does token economics and like DeFi and how does that all kind of get involved in, in the realm of like, again, like social dynamics? Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll push the token question to Errol. But real quick on the um, the technology question, to some extent, uh, it is really interesting. What we're building that's totally unique is the infrastructure, the video infrastructure. We're building a custom for the technical people who care. It's WebRTC. So there's like a common foundation of like a video language at the base of this that people are using to make stuff like Zoom, right? But the problem is it hasn't been developed to be organic where um, basically... If you with this, it's great. This is great for having 10 people talking to each other and then maybe like 200 or a thousand people watching us talk to each other. But when you actually get in a room in a 3D space where you're expected to be able to walk around and see and hear anybody you interact with, right? See their video, hear them talking like around you, like they're spatialized audio. So you can hear people who are behind you and it sounds like they're behind you, like this kind of like surround sound style effect. And for that to work, you need to be able to switch between the different video feeds much more organically. So, but there's no demand for that until you take the, the video uh, uh, communication and put it into a 3D setting, right? And that was kind of the missing piece in a lot of ways. And it's not that the pieces weren't there before, but there was nobody trying to fit these pieces together in the uh. way that we were because we were trying to fulfill, we're trying to emulate real world communication, right? Mm-hmm. And this isn't it. So we were like, okay, what would it look like? And so we're putting pieces together that already exist, but then realizing kind of some of the inherent failures of the existing infrastructure and technology because it, it couldn't keep up with the kind of organic way that we're switching between feeds. Uh, basically, you get you try to do this, what we're doing right here with 100 people, 100 video feeds, 100 audio feeds, and it would just basically blow up, right? Because you'd be managing so much bandwidth, whatever. And so mm-hmm. we had to build some custom tools to make that possible to have these more organic interactions with audio and video in a 3D space where it feels natural. Yep. And then kind of like on the, you know, you talked about tokenomics uh, and like how does crypto sort of factor into this? You know, you uh, you also brought up Ready Player One. 
Ready Player One is interesting because uh, the things that people do in this virtual space matter. Um, whereas right now in a game, and it doesn't matter, it's all monopoly money, right? Um, we've never up to this point had the ability to own digital things, you know, case in point. And I was trying to, it's funny, you try to have these conversations on Twitter. Um, and unless you're in a Twitter space where you actually have like, you know, yeah. uh, back and forth dialogue, potentially, it's really hard to get this out. And I was trying to explain to this one guy who was like, oh, this is, this has always been, we've always had this already within games. There's nothing new coming to the table. And I was like, all right, if you go to Steam right now and you try to buy a game, Steam technically still owns that game because you can't take, once you've bought it, you can't take it out of your Steam library. You can't sell it back to Steam unless you're trying to do a return and it has to be sold to another user. And yeah. you can't sell it to another user. Or and so you can't do you can't do what you used to be able to do with the physical copy of the game, like sell it on Amazon, sell it to a third party, um, you know, all the things that people would do with physical copies of a game. We've lost that now that we've gone to a full push into digital. So just having the ability to, you know, take true ownership of the things that you have in your library, um, that, you know, you could do whatever you want with it. Um, just having that ability uh, suddenly is a huge step away from you know, what we had in traditional, um, you know, uh, gaming, the, the traditional gaming world, and even just traditional uh, digital product ownership and way more in the direction of, you know, making things that people do in games matter. And that's kind of what we're trying to bring to Strange Clan, which is an MMORPG. Um, it's action-based, but the one of the biggest factors about it is that it's going to have uh, we're, we're crafting out this in-game economy that's truly built around people going out, gathering resources, crafting, uh, and then doing quests, and everybody having, just like you do in um, you know, a modern marketplace, you have people who all have different objectives, different things that they're trying to accomplish. And so trading with one another, especially trading you know, one specialist, trading with another specialist, I'm a specialist in you know, crafting uh, this particular um, uh, uh, armor. Um, I'm a specialist in crafting um, uh, mechanical uh, items that make it easy to set traps or whatever. Um, I'm a hunter. I'm I'm huge gatherer. I gather tons of different resources. You know, all those guys come together. They start trading with each other. Now you have a real economy because the hunter needs the trapper, right? And then the trapper might need the guy who's great at blacksmithing, right? All to advance in the game. And they don't have to exchange money. They could just be exchanging resources if they want to. Um, but fundamentally, you're doing things that matter. And that's way more in the direction of this like ready player one element. What you just described is the perfect definition of play to earn. Because it's not mm -hmm. a new, it's not a new idea. Uh, going back to, oh my God, like, Grand Theft Auto for me, like I would <laughs> pay, I would pay for save game files just to skip halfway through the game because I wanted to just play the maps. You know, I didn't want right. to, I love the storyline too. I would beat the game. I beat it once. I don't want to keep doing it. And then you get a game. You So, so the concept, you know, those were with single storyline games, you know, uh, then world, world of Warcraft was, I think was a watershed moment for the gaming industry because for the, mm -hmm. the whole, for the whole world. Yeah, because it really accelerated that play to earn. But again, it was a walled garden. You couldn't. You're earning. What are you supposed to do with it? Can't make it money. I remember one of the first people who understood Bitcoin. Like I truly under. I never had to explain it to him. Was this guy Frank? I met him in Austria, and he in 2011 he ran still around this like exchange to trade Second Life Linden dollars and then and then you know euros or dollars, and he wow. was exchanging Bitcoin for Second Life Linden dollars back in 2012 because there was a market for it. People in game right. wanted to get their money out. And was like, wow, yeah. that was for me a big light bulb moment too. But what what is the world, everyone listening right now has probably read a negative article against play to earn. It's not gonna work. The bots are gonna take it over. Whenever I see that, I see that as an opportunity. If everyone's saying it's yeah. bad, for me, it's like, shit, this is something I should invest in. What are we getting wrong about it? What is the media getting wrong? Oh my gosh, there's a bunch of I've things. I've answered this question. Yeah, I've answered this question a bunch of times. I, Lex, you go first, because um, I have my I have my thoughts. I think we're probably thinking very similarly on this. Yeah, and part of the problem is that 
people are making uh, uh, DeFi, they're not making a game, right? Like half the people who are building play to earn, they're not building a game. They're building a, <laughs> a, a money-making mechanism or a Ponzi scheme, you know, at best, right? And so it's like, just build a game, yeah. just build a game, just make a good game, right? And this is the problem is that most of the, um, the, the, the real solid titles that exist right now haven't implemented this, right? It's like, you can't, it's like the only reason that, that blockchain, adding blockchain to these digital assets is worthwhile is if people care to own those things. Blockchain gives you true verifiable ownership on a public ledger, right, of these digital assets. But it, what if I don't care to own this, you know, a uh, uh, little nonsense PFP that somebody made? Then it doesn't matter, right? We need to implement blockchain where people already care about the content. That's why when we started building Strange Clan, the goal was not to get as fast as possible to... Um, a Ponzi scheme, it was to make stories and characters that people care about, right? If you can create the emotional investment first, then people have a desire to own, right? And it's a Ponzi scheme as long as people are only doing it to try and get up the pyramid, right? And as soon as they have some value, they bail on the tokens, yeah. they bail on the characters, the assets, then it's just a perpetual dump of value. And the last person in is always going to lose, right? So but, what, what, the, way, the way I've described this is basically... If everybody has the exact same goal, which is to get money, then we're, we're you don't have the right game. Right. It's not a fun game. And that's also why people worry about bots is because everybody has been playing predictable games that all had the same goal, the same end state, um, which is just get more money, grow your money. Um, whereas, you know, uh, um, the, the objective with Strange Clan is that you're going to have many different uh, game right. goals. You know, uh, you'll have those who do want to take this investor path. And so they're buying things up that are on the marketplace and trying to trade and flip them. They might be trying to buy in-game property, all of that. But there's a player base that has different goals. Those goals would be, you know, community oriented. I, I want to I want to get higher up in my personal guild. Um, I want to build one of the biggest clans. Um, I want to complete the story. Um, I want to get this particular item that I saw this one dude have, right? Or I want to make every single weapon that's on the map. You're going to have everybody have different goals and objectives. And also because they each have different, each of the characters in the classes have different strengths. You're going to have right. in the way that people right. get to those classes is through um, uh, an organic method of playing and whatever, wherever, wherever you are playing, wherever you're spending the most time, is where your skill points uh, are being acquired. And so naturally the game makes your class something that you tend to lean towards anyway. Like your desired play style, the thing that you find fun um, ends up becoming uh, your class. You end up naturally shifting over into that direction. And so your play style is going to put you in the class. People are gonna identify, hey, I need these types of classes in my party so that we can go accomplish this thing. So everybody has each individual um, ideas of what their goal is because this person wants to be the best medic. This person wants to be the best you know, hunter. This person wants to be the best uh, knight. This person wants to be the best um, uh, bard. Uh, bards are going to be really interesting actually, but anyway, it seems like it's like a, it's a perfect, it's a perfect lever system. Like, you know, the episode of the Simpsons where he's like pulling one lever up and the other one goes down or whatever. It's a perfect, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're sitting here. You have to like be, you have an economics hat, you have a token economics hat, you have a, yeah, you have to be like an anthropologist. Yep. Um, you have all these different things, yep. that you have, but, but the beauty of it is that the people are the ones forging this, right? You have this, right. Game, you have passage, you have very light, just like these are kind of the rules. And then, like you said, it's it's if, if everyone's in it for the money, then it's not going to be fun. It seems like it's a complimentary type of thing. Uh, yeah. Is this why? Is this kind of your answer? If I were to ask you what the danger is of these, like if passage became a private, you know, obviously you'd you'd want a big company to buy it out because it would be great. But if, if someone were to build this and it was like a walled garden, it's closed. If Facebook or meta owned all of these metaverses, is that the danger? And you just can't do, you can't throw shit at the wall to see what's going to stick. Well, and, and yeah, there's no experimentation at that point. There's no, because the whole goal of this is um, I got to plug a few elements of our infrastructure here. For one, we're building on Cosmos, right? Which uh, they have IBC. It's inter-blockchain uh, communication. Great layer. ecosystem. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and what that allows us to do is every passage world, right? You can boot up a passage world and one of the projects on Cosmos is Akash. It's decentralized cloud computing. So when you boot up a world, uh, we're going to get a point in our roadmap where that all the hosting power that goes into hosting that world is decentralized. So it's, it's uh, uh, censorship resistant. It's resistant to centralized infrastructure failure, right? And it's resistant to us as you know, one of the creators on the passage platform being like, well, I don't want you to have a voice. I'm going to take that down, right? We can't. It's not hosted on our servers or Amazon servers. It's hosted in a decentralized way, right? So that's one element that's going to, that, that with the value add of the decentralization layer, right? But then also, um, because it's built on Cosmos, you can take different assets across different worlds, right? Strange Clan is one world. Yep. But what's so interesting about passages Gaming is the smallest part of, of, I think, the user base for Passage. Uh, I think it'll be significant. Uh, and there's a lot of really cool applications, but we weren't, we weren't originally building this for gaming. It's a really exciting consumer really? application. Well, we were originally building it for events, right? We were doing entertainment and events with these large brands, like Amazon, Capital Records, American Girl, Scooter Braun. Can um, I do untold stories over Passage? Be like absolutely. a full immersive experience for people absolutely. to come in, join, hang out. Yes, we we wow. were actually talking about doing our uh, like so we have a podcast called We Build Worlds and we were talking oh, awesome. about doing our podcast. One of the, one of the early goals of uh, Passage will be to have like you know our own uh, studio area where we're doing the podcast. Right now, we were basically chasing after some other goals, so that's still oh the man, but I'm in with very excited about that. I yeah, want to have one. a world. I don't want a Discord or Telegram room. People are like, why don't you start a Discord? It was like stupid. I don't want to start a Discord. Yep. How many Discord room, rooms are, are you in right now? It's like too many. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. Slack. No, I want to be in a cool world <laughs> that provides like value add, but fun, different, exciting. But you can hear behind you, and you're immersed. Right. A lot of these, like it brings me back. I used to play Unreal Tournament 2004, and I was in a clan, and um, just be hanging out in the audio room and just let it let other people talk, and I'm just in there learning. That was the original fun. The original, my early Bitcoin days, there was this uh, uh, team speak called Whalepool. And it's a huge telegram room now, it's like 50,000 people. But originally, Whalepool was just a team speak of people doing crypto stuff. But it's like the little tidbits and the stuff. It's like, oh, shit, look what's happening. Everyone going, right. I want that back. I want that world back. Yeah. Yeah, it's something organic. Absolutely. No, we, we, we need to we need to make that happen. Even like we'll yeah. get an episode of of untold stories in passage for sure. And we like will. that's the thing, is there's so much openness to what you can build there. And it's just all about organic interaction and communication. Can anyone build or do you need to be like a developer or game designer? We're yeah, there's our roadmap is moving. Yeah, exactly. Our roadmap is moving toward that. Right now, technically the, the kind of uh, uh, crawl walk run of the stages that we're building through right now. Um, we are kind of the only agency that can build passage worlds, but our goal is to get to the walk stage where we have an open SDK and open source, um, uh, 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 tooling where anybody, any development team or anybody with unreal experience could boot up a passage world in a decentralized way. And it would have seamless connections with all the other passage worlds via IBC. So your assets, your relationships, and your identity move seamlessly across any passage world. So that tooling is is our first step, but then the next step will be a easily accessible design interface, right? Kind of like SaaS style, uh, where somebody can go to a website, right? And drag and drop assets from the Passage Marketplace, right? And this is a big value add for our marketplace as well, is that we're incorporating 3D data into the NFTs so they can be used inside Passage, right? Your characters can be used as avatars. Um, items that you design or your friends design can be minted as NFTs and used in passage worlds. Um, we'll have templates for people to design an office because actually that's one of the ways that we use passage heavily every day is with our team meeting and collaboration. Like we're literally in our own software every single day. Again, one of the biggest differences between us and a lot of the other solutions out there is that we use it, right? Again, like you said, yeah. this is something that we're using. So yeah. yeah so that was really that because in the Zoom yeah, world. Every, yeah. No, sorry, Arl. What were you saying? Uh, well, I was going to say that we've always had to because literally from the very beginning, like um, we've always had to sell. You know, this like when when wow, uh, one of the th- first few events that we did for uh, Passage was um, one for Amazon, one for um, 
uh, or two for um, uh, Capitol Records, uh, and then one for American Girl. And uh, it was always trying to sell, you know, where we wanted to uh, take this this tooling and this platform, and you know uh, what it is that we were the concept that we were trying to drive forward. We've always had to work towards what is actually workable today versus always talking about uh, the tomorrow, the the future, right. the dream, right? Uh, so to come back full circle to your point before that, you know, um, it's not about theory, it's about, you know, execution. You know, that's kind of what we're, we're aiming for. Well, you need to have a vision, but you also need to have like uh, some way to test that vision, right? Yep. And yep. that's the benefit that we've had is we started off super broke, right? And so we had to test the vision in, in the quickest way possible, right? Because we only had so much funds, right? We were never independently fund. I mean, we, we got all our funds from actually doing events, right? And using yeah. the software. So if it wasn't useful, if it wasn't sellable or marketable, then it couldn't exist. Why did you guys decide to build out of out of all games? Why Strange Clan? Why, a massive, <laughs> great, a massive multiplayer online role playing game. It's like, and for those who don't know, these are these are not like single player games or even multi. These are where you have in real time you have millions of different storylines and people interacting with each other. It's talk about crawling before you could walk. You chose the most difficult thing. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is that um, it's it's very similar to how the problems we already had to solve for Passage. Um, so uh, everything that Lex was talking about, as far as like managing organic communication, has already been stuff that is well trotted territory in the MMORPG world. You know, managing servers, trying to make that experience organic, managing you know when does your audio connect with their audio. Um, they never had to do video, and that's why we don't have solutions that that you know fundamentally work with Passage, and why we had to build our own solutions. But um, uh, a lot of those pieces were already there, and so um, the other side of it too is that when you think about um, the idea of uh, you know owning digital assets, you know we oftentimes don't refer to Strange Clan as a play to earn game; we refer to it as a play to own game. Um, because literally everything that we are doing um, is leading towards people making things in the game that matter that they can then own. And so some of the reason why we chose MMORPG, an MMORPG genre is that ultimately, like that's what MMOs do really well, is they really like lay the groundwork for, um, you know, these, these uh, big economies that are very, very exciting and actually make the things in the game matter. So, you know, me and Lex tend to personally lean heavy in the direction of RPGs. Uh, and there's like very few MMORPGs that really like, you know, get us excited. So I think another part of it too, is, you know, we've always liked the idea of MMORPGs. I think one of, you know, both of our favorites from back in the day was RuneScape, you know, yeah, of course. it's really hard oh. to make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard to get that same, you know, um, uh, level of immersion and and game balance and all of that runescape did it epically and they're still running today it's amazing ultimately we wanted to become uh you know uh we wanted to make that thing that we always wanted to see exist that doesn't yet exist i'm just thinking going back from when we were kids like my some of my first my best friends were the ones who came over to play halo at a land party and then, yes. like, you know, like, yes. like my best friend at school, we played Counter-Strike Source together. It's so much of my early childhood, like maturity development was around games. And I'm wondering. Uh, it's the challenges we face together. Yeah, we face challenges together. Isn't that something? Yep. It's like going yeah. into battle, right? It's like, um, I mean, the same thing happens around sports teams, right? It's, but it's like, it's different kinds of challenges, right? It's tactical, it's mental, it's emotional, spiritual challenges, depending on the story that you're conquering or the, you know what I mean? And so like the people that you go through that with come out kind of like with a mutual uh, appreciation for each other, as well as, um, you know, kind of this common experience, right. Of, of suffering yeah. when you lose or a victory. Those who have been in the military get it. Um, one of my friends who I was in prison with our relationship, no one will ever understand just because yep. no one has ever been through that, you know, except for him and I in the same place at the same time. Um, and so like, it's interesting how that kind of all comes together and, and, and bringing it, bringing it back. I, 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 we haven't done it though, but tell us about strange clan because a lot of the listeners are probably like, want to learn more about that specific game. What type of yeah. quests are you doing? 
you go on the website it's it's beautiful you guys put together amazing work um huge that's following. really kind of you because we we definitely the website think behind. super highly about it, it <laughs> really it's ter- no. a terrible looking website we're working well, okay, on it though. okay i thought it, it was it, a product it's... of it's like that's because that's what the game looks like the website is like it reminds me of like a, an old german town that i want to go hang out at yeah, yeah. Well, a lot there... of the a lot of the artwork has come a long way um right uh we'll have to so if you spend any time on the uh, Strange Clan Twitter, um, you'll oftentimes see us posting concept art. Uh, the concept art that's coming out. Um, our our concept art team is just absolutely phenomenal and have been like a huge part of like helping to lead the way. And I, I should actually plug um, uh, Nick Oppergator uh, is who he is on Twitter, uh, who just is an excellent like uh, creative visionary. He he's did all director. the NFTs. Yeah, he's a creative director. He, he did all of our NFTs, but then, you know, went back to the drawing board when it came to the uh, style and design of the game, because, you know, we started talking about well, what are these going to look like in 3D? And um, ultimately, we're like, we settled on this idea that the, the uh, NFTs are more like the like uh, Funko Pop version of uh, the 3D characters because uh, we wanted more customization of the characters. We wanted more varied looks um, and we wanted them to also um, play. We wanted the the theme of the story to, you know, uh, uh, take a slightly different tone than what you get directly out of the N- uh, NFTs. What were you going to say, Lex? Yeah, I like thinking about it in terms of like the original Pokemon cards too, the way yeah. the visual style is developed, where like, if you remember that classic Pikachu card where he's kind of like, fat and square and like yeah. just a little Jumping. bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Than the, the Pikachu that developed as the show went on and as the IP developed, you know, for us, it's like, it's, it's meant to be an organic evolution, right? I mean, we've, we've already created layers to this painting, to this visual style that's developing because for, for us, it really is about the journey with the community. Right. And so there's an important um, artifact in the style of the NFTs but there will also be stages along the way. Like for one, we're developing um, a 2D game that will actually be very like uh, uh, ARPG, Pokemon, cool. Final Fantasy style. Yeah. And, and that's a precursor. It's called the prologue, right? It's a precursor to the 3D game because we want to launch something this year that people can use their NFTs to interact with and do quests and engage with the story. But we know that this bigger 3D game, the chapter one experience is, is a much bigger goal, right? So we want to keep yeah. people involved and engaged throughout the process um, and we've done some like community events inside Passage, which is cool because we can already bring people into um, the 3D worlds and show people kind of like what this experience can be like. But we want a game. We want a, a complete story that people can interact with. And in terms of developing the story, it's been a, a really fun, creative journey. And, and part of the reason that we wanted to make this game was because it's about story, right? It's about characters. We've already done these kind of like fun um, social uh, quests inside Discord where the mechanics are really simple. They're just based off of like, you yeah. know, gating. But this is like um, filmmaking, you know, our, right. this is like your jam too. So it's like, you get to, you guys get to work together. You get to do yep. all these different things, you know, kind of our goal, all the different. Our, our goal in every entrepreneurial venture that we uh, have ever done has always been, okay, how do we get to the place where we can tell stories? Because, um, you know, we've been, you know, crafting stories together, you know, ever since we were kids. Uh, and yep. so it's just been an ongoing process of like, all right, how do we get to the place where we're telling stories? And so that that's another reason why when Lex says that the game part of it is like, we think ultimately going to be the a small part of the greater uh, expansion passage. That's only to say how big passage is. We started right. with the right. games because we think that games are a very easy and accessible way for people to conceptually understand one, you know, um, metaverses and and how, you know, they can be experienced how they can create community because a lot of that's already there. Um, and then two, you know, there's just the, just the utility side of uh, NFTs is very, very accessible when we talk about games. So, yes. yeah, one of the, so you, you also mentioned the, the, you know, what is the game, what are the quests like and, and all of that. So um, the, the, the 3D MMORPG game, the way that we're looking at quests is very much like I was describing before, where um, you have you know quests that will help influence the world, um, but also you have quests that basically just continue to help your own personal journey. You know whether that's you know you're trying to go down a certain part of your skill tree so that you can either get your class or something like that, um, or uh, you are 
you know, working with uh, your guild or your clan. So guilds are like, you know, the collection of classes and clans are the collection of people. So players can self-organize clans um, and guilds are kind of like the in-game, like, hey, you know, all of us are um, uh, medics. So we all have this uh, medic guild that we're going to. There's certain resources within the medic guild. So once you uh, get to the place in your um, uh, medic skill tree, you, you, you finally come to the place where you can actually apply to be in the, the guild get accepted into the guild and then have access to some of the things that are within the guild. Um, so ultimately everything is that the quests basically are like this branching tree where um, you have some player driven quests where players, you know, kind of demand things of each other. Like, Hey, um, I need these items. Um, you can put it up on a job board. Um, somebody get me these items. And some of those items might be things that are just gathering items and certain classes do much better at gathering those types of resources. They might be items that um, need to be crafted. Um, and then when you uh, have all those things, the player who needed those things might be ultimately trying to actually build something bigger with each of these elements. So, you know, um, our, we, we look at crafting kind of like a layered approach so that you actually might craft subparts to be a much bigger, uh, to a much bigger uh, craftable item. Um, very similar to how, you know, uh, games like Minecraft function um, and other very crafting uh, focused games. If you gave a task that was uh, the same task that my school teacher gave me, I would do mm. it in the game over doing it on my homework, which leads me to like the point where during COVID, everyone was worried about how Zoom is shit and we need to go back right. to the classrooms. <laughs> if we had this, if my classroom was in passage, we'd see a hybrid in-person and then in-passage school system, which would be better than yeah. the full-time in-classroom mm. system, but half the cost. And at the yeah, same time, absolutely. yeah, like their, their kids are never, it's like, that. that's what are I'm Are you familiar with head. the upside down classroom? No, I'd tell me about it. Um, it's, it's a, it's a concept that, um, I've heard multiple educators talk about, I don't know why I got obsessed with education. I almost became a teacher. Um, but, um, uh, basically the concept is, is that, um, uh, instead of, you know, you listen to a lecture from your teacher at school, um, and then go home and do the homework. Instead, you flip it. You say, Hey, uh, we're going to do, um, the homework at class because then you have time with the teacher and with the other students to ask questions, oh, to cool. kind of problem solve together. Um, and then uh, when you go home, you watch a video because the lectures that teachers do are identical every single time. They're regurgitating the same information. I realized this, and this is why I didn't become a teacher. Um, I went, I, I was literally going to school for this. I shadowed um, uh, my teachers from school and they all said like um, the exact same things from when I was in high school uh, as they were saying to the kids that were in class that day. I was like, oh, being a teacher, a lot Just of times this. <laughs> you are saying yeah. the same things over and over again. Um, but meanwhile, it's the same energy every single time. You have to bring the same energy. Um, and so why don't you just turn that into a recording? Um, because ultimately you're giving it that you're delivering it the same every single time. So why don't you turn that into a recording and then sit with the kids and actually be that, be there with them to answer questions so they can get the first layer of information. And then when they're actually in class, then they can deal with the questions. Then they can deal with all the other we the think elements it's, to it. Yeah. We think it's like, like a given now, but the idea of yep. showing up to class and not even know what you're going to be learning that day. That was our, our education yep. system. It's so stupid. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, yeah, it, we yeah. definitely want to target. Again, this is a platform for organic communication. So education is huge. For us, a big part of why we want, want, we want to structure it the way that we have is accessibility, right? You shouldn't have prohibitive barriers to entry, like having to have specific hardware or having to have access to um, you know, different applications. Like we want somebody to be able to like go on a library computer, type in a link, and then they're in the experience. Oh, right? yeah. Or, or from any device, right? From a from a, a, a the, the laptop your school gave you, or an iPad, like or your parents' phone, being able to hop into a classroom, right? 
and not only education, but also like um, work advancement opportunities, like being able to reach people in like underrepresented areas where they might have access di- to a digital location and be able to have a, yeah. a better work experience or interaction with interviews or with work advancement or education opportunities, right? Where they might not have access to that physically in their physical location, right? So being able to reach people in all sorts of different areas just because there's there's internet, right? Like just being able to have should, some connection. Physicality should never be a barrier to entry. It should never be, and thinking about it now, I don't even need to look up the statistic. I, I guarantee yep. if they if there is a statistic, the, the statistics out there, the farther you live away from school, the worse off you are, like the worse you are. Look at the students who are the most successful in school, not in life, but just in school. The kids who get the best grades are the ones who live the closest to the school. It, well, it, it has to be. I mean, I'm thinking about it now. I had to take a train, a, sorry, a bus, a train, and then another bus to get <laughs> home every day. Like oh, I was man, doing my homework I, I, on the buses there and back because that's the time that I had where kids who live near the school could be at home with their parents doing the homework. I had to leave an hour earlier and get home an hour later. Well, and you yeah, can think about like, with you. you said you spent time in prison. Like imagine being able to access people there to give them more, more personal, immersive face-to-face opportunities for education, for work advancement, like oh, yeah, to be sure. able to invest in something that grows them. Right. And potentially, you know, shoot, man, like, you know, being able to provide for a family member, being able to actually engage in a meaningful way with a community of people, if you just had access to, again, like, because the goal is, uh, maybe you don't have your own computer in whatever scenario you're in, you've got to share a computer, right? So you can't yeah. necessarily download all the apps you want to, like, just go to the link, right? Go to the link, and you're already immersed in the classroom, right? You can just log in with your profile, whatever it may be. Like, again, the goal is accessibility, right? Uh, and the more we remove these barriers to entry, the more we can get all of the people into an experience. And that's what adds value is when more people can contribute, we can better represent, you know, the, the people that want to be a part of this more immersive community. You could create a whole, you can create a whole ecosystem and passage where it's just uh, a visiting room allowing inmates to interact with their family in a yeah. different world. Because then there could be supervision at a very low cost by the prison administration. Right. Because I understand why they have supervision. Half the guys in there were running their mafia businesses and their drug businesses while I was right. inside. You know, so I understand why the supervision needs to be, but unfortunately the rest of us fall into that bucket. And that's why recidivism is so is so bad because mm. There is no vocational training. There's halfway houses are a mess. There's no supervision. You're lucky if you get a good probation officer. It's terrible. I mean, yeah. the barrier to not going back to prison is it's impossible. Most people go back, yeah. but that could yeah. change. And I really see this type of stuff being the immersive and then throwing in the crypto and the token economics part of it, allowing people to earn some money and then right. know, or earn something and not have, and knowing that they have that on the other side is really wonderful. Well, and for us, again, it, it's, it's virtual workspaces as well. We've been talking with teams uh, who want to be onboarded. Hopefully within the next quarter, we're onboarding um, um, teams into our virtual workspaces, which will allow people to have that kind of immersive communication without a centralized you know, building that they have to go to with you know, all the cost overhead that goes into that and the commute, whatever it may be, people losing time with their family, losing time in their passions. Um, and, and so, you know, work opportunities for, as well, being available to people in whatever situation, yep. whether you're just in an underserved area, whether you're in prison, whether, wherever you are, like giving people opportunities via this portal, right? Because it's more accessible. And again, man, like even thinking about that scenario you're talking about yeah. where like, we don't want people, uh, uh, we we'll give people advancement, personal opportunities. So, so they're not getting back into a bad situation or whatever that may be. The way that we got to where we are in this software it's just thinking about humans as humans, right? Thinking about how do people actually interact? How do people want to communicate face-to-face? Like not this kind of arbitrary, like stacks of video blocks types of communication, but like I want to turn and I want to jump and I want to like wave and I want to be actually be able to have, hear where you are around me and like get some physical presence I want you from to people. see my body language. I want to see right, your exactly. body language. Yeah. That's very important. Especially as an Italian, man, we got to move. <laughs> yeah, but, but without the, um, the barrier to entry of having to have special hardware, right? Having to have like your hand controls for your VR headset and whatnot, like to get this sense of immersion and the stuff that we're building that we're moving toward again, I mean, with, with, with nothing but a simple laptop or iPad with a webcam, there's so much that we can do to enable that immersion that we've already done and a lot of landmarks that we have 
And again, it's just thinking about humans as humans, right? Instead of as like kind of this arbitrary unit you can Love plug it. into any system you want, put on a conveyor belt through an education system or put into an arbitrary, you know, Zoom configuration. And again, I think that that really, because that's our, our mindset and kind of our ethos going into solving the hardware problem is thinking about people, it naturally has these beneficial results for being able to humanize people in any particular situation, right? Like yeah. thinking about how, what, what, how can humans grow or, or how, what would naturally benefit people in these different situations. That's what I'm trying to figure out every day. Yep. Yeah. The interesting part too, is that crypto has started to move towards this direction of like artists are now actually seeing a huge um, uh, explosion of opportunity because you have NFTs, but the, the question that always gets put to people, especially when you look at, you know, again, the, the, the projects that are just, art right now um, is, well, okay, why couldn't I just copy this and do like the whole JPEG, you know, controversy, right? right? So fundamentally, uh, if you give those, uh, those NFTs utility, automatically the game changes. So what is an accessible way to give uh, utility to those who or give the opportunity for utility to those who mostly artistically leaning? So uh, if you essentially create a asset um, which, you know, if you have any 3D modeling experience, um, even if you do a 2D asset, the 2D asset can be a 2D uh, image that people put, you know, in their space. Um, those, if those are on our marketplace um, uh, or, or at least IBC enabled, um, you essentially automatically have utility because right away people can use your stuff uh, within their virtual worlds uh, if they have those assets. So, or you can uh, use those assets to then license that asset to other people so that, you know, they don't have to own that specific one. They could rent it from you. I could see a lot more stories getting told this way. Well, well, yeah. Aral Avellino, Lex Avellino, thank you guys for, for taking the time and blowing my mind on untold stories today. It's great to see that you guys have gotten this far. Usually I'd be talking to someone who have, who has done what you guys have done uh, and they're part of some mega corporation or big VC backed startup, and they're not even close to doing. So uh, uh, after this show, a lot, you're going to see a lot of more influx of people learn about what you're doing, but I love the, don't change the websites because they're great. I love it. Okay. Okay. Guys, we're going to leave the website. It's going to be the same. (laughs) Cheers. I I really appreciate taking the time today. This is, a longer than one hour show. I never do shows this long. This is awesome. It's such a pleasure, brother. Dude, thank you so much, Charlie, for having us on, man. Yeah, you're, for telling you're, these you're stories. A great man. conversationalist. All right, cool. Yeah. I'll see you guys later. Spots. Peace, Bye. brother. Awesome.